0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: But I want to make sure that we get through today's lesson, and uh, because I want to, I want to speak from my heart on the subject of holiness. But I have, I have titled um, this message intentional. These, these are not just four words to put on the screen, but I want to talk about the call to holiness because I believe that holiness should not just be considered a mandate, although I believe there are mandates in the Word of God. I think undergirding that mandate is a call of God, the Spirit of God. There have been people that have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost who absolutely knew nothing about uh, fundamental elements of holiness and separation who just little by little said, you know what, it just doesn't feel right for me to do this, to say this, to, uh, I just feel like I need to stop doing that, stop doing this, or I need to start doing the other. And and uh, what I believe that is is that call of God, His Spirit, His righteousness, His nature that touches us. I think it's unfortunate that many times the subject of holiness has been packaged uh, been packaged illy and our ill package perhaps would be a better way to say and uh, I think that we need to embrace it I, I, I like the term the beauty of holiness because I believe that holiness has a beauty to it amen the book of Colossians 1 and 10 I want to uh, begin there the book of Colossians 1 and 10 the scripture says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord "...unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God." And so I think that we ought to always be reaching and striving to increase our knowledge and our understanding. Now with the knowledge increasing and our understanding increasing, there comes uh, what should be apparent to all of us, a responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required." To he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it becomes a sin. And so when God begins to pull us and call us in any area of our life, we have a, a responsibility to heed that call. Now you have the power to ignore that call. All of us have the power to ignore that call. But when the Spirit of the Lord speaks, then we need to certainly, uh, we need to certainly listen and ask God to to uh, allow us to have the the grace to walk forward. I'll talk about this in a moment but let me just interject this now that until we do what we know already know to do it's a little bit fruitless to ask God to show us more. Until we walk in the truth that we already have placed before us and step by faith because as we begin to walk in truth the spirit of God begins to un un uh to reveal itself and unveil itself to us by way of understanding. I think it's wonderful for people to to live certain tenets, so to speak, out of obedience. And that may be sheer obedience is what, uh, is what begins a journey, sheer obedience to what is taught in the church. But we can't just go the rest of our lives just doing what should be done because that's what the pastor says should be done. That makes sense? At some point, these needs to become a part of the fabric of who we are. because when your children ask you, "Why do we do this?" or why do we not do that?" we shouldn't just solely point to the pulpit and say, "Well, that's just what the church teaches, or that's just what we ought to be able to uh, decisively sit down and say, "Well, here's why we avoid some things." And uh, I'm, I'm using a little bit more time here today to preface some comments because, as I've often said, there are three things that we are fighting against primarily, if we were to boil it down to three categories. We're fighting against our flesh. We're fighting against the world. We're fighting against the spirit of hell. Those three things are a real fight. And so we, we set some things in our lives because we are trying to protect something that's of great value. And so today, what we are protecting is the Spirit of God. We believe now, according to the Word of God, that our bodies are the temple of the Lord. And so just like we would preserve and protect, and uh, not just preserve and protect the literal building, but we would preserve and protect the integrity of this building because it was dedicated to be the house of the Lord. We would go to great lengths to not allow certain things to happen here because, well, this is the church. This is the house of God. We shouldn't be uh, we shouldn't be doing. There's not anything wrong with uh, there's not anything wrong with selling goats. Not illegal to sell goats. We wouldn't bring them in here to sell them. This is the church. This is the house of God. And so there are some things that, that it's just not. While it may be lawful. It is not conducive to us in our walk with God. And so we are the temple of God. And so God is holy and His holiness is reflected in His nature. It is reflected in His works. And it is reflected, God's holiness is reflected in His people. The Bible said in the book of Hosea chapter 7 and verse number 8, the prophet Hosea spoke as an indictment actually against Israel And he said in Hosea 7 and 8 of Ephraim, he said, Ephraim is a cake not turned. Ephraim is a cake not turned. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense today uh, in this particular setting. But if we go back to the hour, if we go back and keep the scripture in context, here's what this means. When cakes were baked... In an open fire, in Bible times, they had to be turned so that they would bake on both sides. Today, we have elements in our oven that's on the top and the bottom. Then, they just had heat on one side. And so, in order for a cake to be baked through and through, it had to be a cake that was turned and not just done on one side. So, a cake not turned is a cake on one side and dough on the other. And so, Ephraim, he said, is a cake not turned. And so, I believe that God wants us to be the same through and through. And so if I could speak about this from from my heart today, that is my intention. Because I don't want to take holiness as a subject and try to wad it up and shove it down your throat or mine or anyone else's. We need to, with our heart, embrace the beauty of holiness. The beauty of holiness. And so uh, we need to understand the consistency in our walk with God whether we are in church or away from church, that is of the utmost importance. To be consistent, not just not just look one way at church, act one way at church, or looked or act or talk one way around uh, around when when we feel like we're in that church setting, but to be the same wherever we are, because uh, the the our walk with God is not a pretentious journey of 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 just shallow attempts. But this is a journey, a walk with God, a real walk with God. Amen. So we want to be very, very careful in that. A new birth experience, I think, is one of the most magnificent things that could ever happen. If you haven't received the Holy Ghost today, can I encourage you to just pursue that? There's nothing like receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You won't ever forget that moment. You'll never forget that. When Jesus enunciated the principle in Scripture, that you must be born again. You must be born again. When Jesus enunciated this phrase, that set the church apart. And can I tell you that any time you start drawing lines in the sand, that's what sets the church apart. You must. The Bible says that you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. And except a man is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And so there are some absolutes in Scripture. Not absolutes according to the doctrine of this local assembly, but there are some absolutes that are bound up right here in this book. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the book that we're going to be judged out of in the end of time. And so, uh, Jesus did not speak of the plan of salvation as something that would bind people to a life of drudgery or a life of despair or a life of despondency. And so, it grieves my heart. It grieves me to the absolute core when I see people that uh, that profess to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they they're the saddest folks in the world. They've got the saddest... We ought to be the happiest people in the world. Somewhere along the line somewhere along the line you've missed the beauty of the relationship amen i've met I've, I've met i've met married folks that were sad looking so well i wasn't prepared for that much conviction to Ease its way to the to the surface, but to, to to that end, I say you've missed the meaning of the relationship. Somewhere, somewhere this has become contractual. Somewhere this is just a a partnership. And and no, there is a beauty of relationship. And so, when we are born again of the water and the spirit, don't feel sorry for me because I'm in church today. I made plans to be here. This is a very intentional gathering of people. We thought about this long. We thought about this hard. We, we are intentionally here. And when, when the Lord talked about the privilege of being born again, He spoke for an opportunity of salvation that would free men and women from the bondage of sin. I'm preaching to some people today that knows what it's like to be set free from the bondage of sin. They're not here under duress, but they're here set free by the power of a living God. And so when we're born again, we begin to live above the degradation of this world, not holier than now, not up here to look down on others, but set apart so that others have something to walk toward. And if we are no different than the rest of the world, the rest of the world has no reason to change. God has always had a separated people. And so at that moment, we begin to live a life of righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. That's what the Scripture calls. Amen. The the former life of bondage is is put behind us and we've been buried in His name. After we repented of of our sins, we've been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins. And through these faith responses, we are now put in a position to be born again or to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we have become new men and new women in Christ Jesus. And so as babes in Christ, we learn a new manner of living, striving daily to reflect the character of God. That doesn't happen automatic. It doesn't happen easily in some cases. Amen? It doesn't happen easily in some cases. And so that's why... That's why the church needs to be very, very sensitive. I'm talking about the church body. We need to be very, very sensitive and allow people to move and, and grow at their own pace. Don't skin, as someone said, don't skin someone uh, the, the minute they walk in the door. That's foolish, and that has happened through the years. Uh, I, I hope that's, I, I hope that's a way, way, way distant years. But uh, we need to have patience and realize that that children grow at their own right, at their own rate. <laughs> But I believe that we must grow and there must be signs of growth. I, I don't think that we can just get on the highway of holiness and meander along. I think we need to be pretty intentional. There needs to be a difference in our lifestyle a year down the road. There needs to be a difference in how we think. There needs to be a difference in our code of conduct a year down the road, six months down the road. That won't be what it will be five years down the road. That won't be what it will be ten years down the road. But there needs to be measurable, consistent growth in our lives. And so the spirit that dwells in our heart motivates us. Uh, to, to pursue purity, to, to pursue holiness in, in at least three areas of our life, at least three areas, and I'm sure that it, it probably has far more reaching uh, things than, than just this, but that our, our one area of our life that must be affected by the purity of the Holy Ghost is our attitude. Our attitude ought to be changed by the power of God. Our actions ought to be changed by the power of God. And our appearance ought to be changed by the power of God. These are three things that holiness should affect in our life. And so at the moment of salvation, holiness is imparted to us through the Spirit as a result of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so His blood that washed away our, st- our sins allows us now to stand holy in His presence. The joy that we find in forgiveness inspires us to live our lives in a manner that is pleasing to God. God's very nature is holy. Holy. If we are to please God, then we have to understand the nature of God. Holiness is an essential aspect to His nature. God's call is this, very clear, very concise, be ye holy. Be ye holy has reverberated throughout the scriptures from the days of Mount Sinai until this very hour that we live today. The call of holiness is intimately intertwined with the nature of God. We sing the song that says, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, on earth I long to be like Him. Well, if that is the case, amen, and if we're really going to sing that from our heart, then we need to embrace the holy nature of God, amen, His Spirit is holy. That God is holy is the very bedrock of truth upon which we stand today. This is where our faith stands. This is the foundation of our moral behavior. God is holy. Because God is holy, James 1 and 17 says that in him there is no variableness. Or in Him, there is consistency. We can, we're can, we not going to find God to be this today and something else tomorrow and something else next week. In Him, there is no variableness. He is a spirit and that spirit is holy. According to John 1 and 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. So since God is holy, that which belongs to Him is holy. Amen. Foremost among that which is identified as God and, uh, and, be, and Him being together with His Word. The Scripture says in Hebrews that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. The Word of God came to us by prophets and through the ages the Word of God has been, uh, has been demonstrated as infallible. His Word still works. Amen. His Word is powerful. His Word is enduring. Amen. When the Word was made flesh in John 1.14, even that flesh was made holy because the Scripture says that Jesus lived without sin. And because that Word became flesh, that flesh, be- and the Word was holy, the flesh became holy. God's Word then came to us uh, through it, the inspiration, the Scriptures came to us through inspired men. The Bible says, Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen. By the Holy Spirit, that righteous nature moved upon common men. And they penned the Scriptures today. And so, when holy words were transcribed by holy men, an infallible book was born. You can count on this book. Amen. It is the same. Amen. Uh, Someone used to sing the song, Oh no, oh no, my friend. You cannot change the book. You can twist it around and try to fit your life, but God's truth will endure. Amen. I want this book, amen, that infallible book, to be a part of the fabric of who I am. The dwelling place of the Lord is holy. Isaiah 57 and 15, the Scripture says, For thus saith the High and Lofty One that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell, he said, I dwell in the high and holy place. God is holy, and wherever He dwells is a holy dwelling place. Before before the Shekinah presence of God entered the tabernacle of Moses, that tabernacle had to be sanctified and hallowed unto God. But it was when his, but it was his presence between the cherubim and the holies of holies that made the tabernacle holy. A lot of things had to be dedicated unto God. We, we understand that and get that. But it was God's presence that made that tabernacle holy. And today, if there's anything holy about us, it will be his presence. Because if his spirit is removed from us, then every anything we could offer is just as filthy rags. The Bible says when Solomon's temple was completed, that the glory of the Lord filled the house. Amen. Because this house had been sanctified to Himself, and so the 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 very uh, the structure of Solomon's temple, of course greatly differed from the structure of the Old Testament tabernacle. Amen, that wilderness tabernacle. It, 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 there was nothing to compare the majesty of Solomon's temple against that old tabernacle that god had instructed moses to build but let me tell you something about those two structures though one was far more beautiful and appealing to the eyes of men they were both equal when the spirit of the lord stepped in because it was the lord's presence that brought beauty ultimate beauty to the house it became a holy place because his spirit took residence there The name of the Lord is holy. That's why we should never take the name of the Lord in vain. Amen. That's why our language ought to be right. We should never take God's name in vain. His name has always been an integral part of Himself. The presence and the name of God are interrelated. There is only one name given among men which by, whereby we can be saved according to Acts 412. And so that name is sacred. That name is precious. Don't curse that name. Amen. Don't demean that name. Don't devalue that name. The singular name of God deserves great reverence. His name is holy and his name is without equal. Amen. God's people, God has always had a holy nation. I'm having to move rather quickly here today. We've got a lot of ground to cover. So please, if you're going to take a nap, let's save that for this afternoon. Amen. If you got somebody beside you needs to be nudged every now and then, nudge them every now and then in Jesus' name. God has always had a holy nation. Israel was a holy people. God chose the people of Israel to be his people from all the nations of the earth. However, follow this now they were god's people while they were in egypt but it was not until they were called out of egypt that they attained obtained a distinct identity as being a nation it was when they came out that they were granted that that it was when they came out that they were granted that identity of being a holy nation or a nation separated unto God. It was out, it was at Mount Sinai that God confirmed to them and confirmed them as his people. In Deuteronomy seven and six, here's what the scripture says. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God had chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Now it just stands to reason today. That even in our, if we just wanted to use government officials or or any type of leadership, it it would just stand to reason today that there, if we're going to choose someone uh, to lead the nation of America, then we would have certain expectations of that leader. We would have certain expectations of their code of conduct. We would have certain expectations of how they they carried themselves, not only in America but we would we would certainly be concerned with how they conducted themselves in other parts of the world if we're going to elect a man or a person to lead as the governor of the state of Florida there would be certain expectations that we would just have of them as a citizen of uh and a resident of Florida we would we would just have certain expectations that we would want to uh, to believe that they would not violate those things and so the lord said you're a holy people unto me you're separated unto me amen above all the people that are on the face of the earth, you represent me. And so Israel was a nation dedicated to the glory of God. And so if people would have certain expectations of natural, national or local leaders then how much more is the world looking for someone that says yes we've been born again of the water and of the spirit would not there be a sense of expectation that we would walk different and talk different and act different and i'm not i'm not just talking about robotically or mechanically but there would be such a difference that when people meet you they say you know i don't know what it is but there's just something different about you that difference is not us it's not the cologne you're wearing, the perfume you're wearing, the outfit you're wearing, but that something different about us is the Spirit of God that abides in, inside, because we decided we're going to be different. Amen. We're going to be different. And so Israel's national identity was based upon... The Lord's identity. Amen. So the lifestyle of the people of God was to be a lifestyle that would glorify God. Their daily existence was to be the testimony of His goodness and His His holiness. Now, there is no doubt in my mind and no doubt in Scripture that Israel was used to be this set-apart nation, was used to be an example to the other heathen nations. So is the church today. The church today set apart... Not holier than thou. Again, sadly, sometimes holiness has been used as a lethal weapon to judge other people and to criticize other people and even bludgeon other people to death. That's not not why God has separated us out. Amen. But we are to be an example to a heathen nation. That you know what? You can dress modestly in a world where there are just no limits. You can dress modest and be modest. And whatever can be done, amen, whatever needs to be done can be done. In a holy way, in a modest way, we can conduct business, we can do whatever needs to be done and maintain a Christian spirit and attitude and lifestyle. Amen. Amen. And so when God brought Israel out of Egypt... He placed a special anointing upon them as they lived their lives according to the law and the ordinance that that Moses delivered to them. The Israelites demonstrated the blessings of God in serving uh, the Lord to all the other nations around them. You know, I I think it was a number of years ago at one of our men's conferences that Brother Brother Osborne, Brother Joe Osborne mentioned, and it is scripture in the book of Exodus where three times a year the men were to come... (coughs) And to and, and to they were to leave their families and go to the to the house of God to worship. And and, and the scripture was very specific that when you come, you bring your best. Amen. You bring your very best. Don't, and that's what we ought to, that's what we ought to offer to the world. We ought to come to the world with our very best. Our God is taking care of us. Our God can sustain us. We're not living on a whim, a maybe, a hope so. Our fingers are not crossed behind our back, hoping everything, uh, kind of comes out in the wash. But God said, I'm going to take care of you. Amen. We need to demonstrate the blessings of God in our life. The nations who had inhabited Canaan prior to Israel's conquest, they were cast out of the land of Canaan. Why? Because of their iniquity. Therefore, Israel became an example of the glory and the beauty of the righteousness of those nations. Amen to those that lived around her. This is how you can live. You can live for God. Today, I just want to pause. I want to put a comma in this message today and tell you something. You can do this not in your own power and your own strength, but you can do this. God will anoint you and has already anointed you to live the life that needs to be lived. Amen, I'm saying that on purpose because so many people have said, I just can't do this. But can I tell you, you won't have to give up ever anything to live for God that you won't have to ultimately give up to live for the devil. Amen. And so he desired of them to be a witness of his presence by their faith, by their worship, by their dress, by their lifestyle. Other nations were to see the Israelites' devotion and their obedience to the one true God, that they would also come to know the Lord for themselves. Amen. We need to show the world there is another way. You don't have to live in this. You don't have to live in this sin and debauchery. You can come out From among them and you can be separate. Israel was a, Israel was a, a peculiar and a particular treasure. Amen. There's great value in obeying the Lord. Obedience marks God's people like jewels or like valuable pearls. They're well marked. The Hebrew word that is translated peculiar, uh, it really literally means to be shut up. Not to shut up, but to be shut up. Amen. (laughs) I just wanted to go ahead and chase that out and and flesh that out before that wound up on Facebook (laughs) this afternoon as a quote coming from me. Amen. But it means to shut up. or In other words, it means a wealth that is closely guarded. Amen, a peculiar people, you are a wealth, a treasure that is closely guarded. There, there are some things you just want to keep up with because they're of great value to you. Amen, they're of great value. And so God, God did not indicate that His children were to be odd or to be weird. I don't think that the church is called out to be a bunch of goofballs. Amen. I'm, I'm very serious and I'm not trying to be humorous, even if that made you smile. But God didn't call us out to be a bunch of lunatics. That's not what the scripture said. I, I want you to just come out here and just live some kind of bizarre life. No, no, no. That's not what he's talking about at all. Do you know what God is mandating from the church today is really, really not a whole lot different than, 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 than the America of just a few decades ago. Amen. Amen, amen. We live in such a promiscuous, no lines, no rules world until we think this is how it has always been. But it hasn't always been. Amen. There has been a slow slide. Amen. A degrading. There was a generation that once said, give me liberty or give me death. That was one generation's proclaim. And then another generation behind them, amen, they just said, give me liberty. Amen. They just give me liberty. Just let me do whatever I want to do. Let me just get, let me just do whatever I want to do. Let me go wherever I want to go. No lines, no regulations, no rules. And, and all authority has been called under question. All authority is being called under question. Amen. Let me say that one more time. All authority has been called under question. Amen. When, when parents, and I'm not necessarily giving this in chronological order, but when parents lose authority in the home when there is no longer a voice of authority in the home, when we remove the voice of of authority out of the school, when we remove the voice of authority out of the courtroom, it's no wonder that we're losing the voice of authority to our law enforcement on the street. Amen. Are you hearing where I'm going today? Amen. We've got to be very, very careful that the Spirit of God helps us to understand, amen, that there are some regulations, there are some rules which govern every aspect of our life or it should govern every aspect of our life. The Bible says in the book of Judges that in that day every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Do you know what? Some people think you don't have the right to live. That's how they think in their own eyes. Don't you hope they don't get in charge. Don't you hope they don't break in your house today. Don't you hope that they don't come in because there's some people that really have the philosophy that if you have something and they don't, they have the right to take that from you. Every man just did that which was right in his own eyes. Nothing could be further from the truth at all. God's, God's church is holy. The church is God's masterpiece of mercy. The word church was first mentioned in Matthew 16 and 18 when Jesus said, I will build my." Church. I will build my church. When he spoke these words, the church had not yet begun. But he said, I will build my church. The church was born when the Spirit of God was poured out in the upper room in Jerusalem. And so the church became the first dwelling place. For the Spirit of God. Amen. He began His church when it was born on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2 and 4, the Scripture says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. When men and women received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says they were added to the church. Amen. Individually and collectively, the church is the residence of the Spirit of God. And as the president of, as a president, as the presence of God, excuse me, was evident in the burning bush. Amen. What happened when Moses walked up to that bush? The Lord said, Moses, take your shoes off because the ground upon which you stand is holy. You're standing on holy ground. Now let's, if we just kind of extract ourselves out of this situation and look at it from a distance. It was just a bush and it was just a fire and it was just desert sand and it was just a man and it was just a pair of sandals. So what in the world is going on here to make this command? Take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. Amen. What made it holy was the presence of God. Amen. Now, if we today are going to profess to be filled with the presence of God, how is it? How is it then we can say, but I'm still going to do what I want to do, go where I want to go, live like I want to live, dress like I want to dress, walk every how I want to walk. When the Lord said, Moses, this dirt you're standing on is holy. And so get those shoes off. Amen. The presence of the Lord in that bush made it hallowed ground. And so in like fashion the presence of God, in light, fashion the presence of God in a newborn Christian sanctifies that person in which the Spirit dwells. The Bible says in, in the book of First Corinthians six and nineteen, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? You're not I'm going to do my own thing. Well you're not your own. There's going to be a conflict here if we're going to say, I'm going to be possessed by the Spirit of God, but I'm going to do my own thing. He said, you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I need to glorify God in my body, and I need to glorify God in my spirit. Amen. The people of God collectively form a glorious church that Paul said to the Ephesians. Amen. Not having a spot or a wrinkle or any such thing because of the indwelling spirit of God. The church must be holy and without blemish. I want you today to see the beauty, the beauty of holiness. Amen. The beauty of holiness. The church was given, amen, to this world to be a preserver of truth. In order to receive God's Spirit, then we must obviously, according to Romans, we must first hear and then believe, amen, that truth. As Israel was entrusted with the truth of the Old Testament times, a dispensation of the gospel... Has been committed to the church. Am I in the Bible now? Amen. John. Corinthians. Even Ephesians. Talks about this. A dispensation of the gospel. Has been committed. To the church. And so it is the responsibility. Of the church. To preserve. The truth. Of scripture. And amen. The Bible says when the children of Israel went across that Jordan River, he said, get 12 tried men, proven men, take 12 stones and take them on the other side, build a monument. I'm not trying to rehash old things today, but he said, these stones are not for you. You're here. These stones, you'll never forget this, you'll never forget this experience. I'm not asking you to build something so you won't forget. But he said, when you build this monument and your children ask, what meaneth these stones? It's right there that we need to preserve, amen, these things to say, what does this mean? Amen. And so I'm I'm petitioning parents and grandparents today. Amen. When our children ask questions and young people ask questions, don't just send them to children's church leaders and Sunday school teachers and student ministry pastors. But we need to be able to open the book and say, Darling, this is why. This is why. We're preserving these truths to another generation. <clears throat> Amen. We receive and live by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as we live by that spirit, as we walk in that, then we begin to discover more truth. Amen. But these are the but the, these are prerequisites to gaining more truth. We have to walk in the knowledge that we already have. Amen. So a godly individual in the midst of an ungodly world preserves truth that could otherwise and would otherwise be lost. And so when we just hold on, when we just Hold on amen i 'm going somewhere today, and so I want you to hold on collectively. The church is a preserver of the truth, the church that began on the day of Pentecost and exists to this day until the last person has heard this message. God is going to have a church that is called out that is separated out whatever you want to uh, uh, opinion you want to form right now. Then I don't say this in a smart way, but you are you are free to form your opinion. But hear me. Amen. God has always had a called out church, and He always will have a called out church. Amen. Those that preserve truth to another generation. I I I want I, I want the and and I feel a mandate upon my life, obviously, as the pastor and shepherd of this church to preserve these truths, not to just cater to the crowd that is here today i'm not just trying to cater to yesterday's generation i'm not just trying to cater to my generation amen but i, wanna, I want to i want these truths to be instilled in the hearts of our young men and women amen to hold this Amen. The light of the world. That's what the church is. A light to the world. The mission of the church is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Death, burial, and resurrection. The light of Jesus Christ must be evident in us. It must be illuminated in us. It must be obvious in us if others are going to see that light. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful today for the beauty of holiness. A false standard, you know has been established in our world in the day that we live. The deceiver of deceivers has tried to convince masses that beauty is just external. The message that is propagated to us everywhere we turn is that that external beauty can can be achieved without righteousness. And we can live a life marred by disobedience and still be beautiful in the eyes of God. But nothing could be further from the truth. True beauty is only attained through a life of dedicated honor to God. We are, ladies and gentlemen, preservers of truth. We are Christ's light to the world. We are the reflections of the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. What would Jesus do? How would Jesus say it? How would He handle that? Amen. We can become these things only as we allow that indwelling spirit in us to be seen by those around us. God is going to have a church that is comprised of men and women who demonstrate holiness in every aspect and facet of their life. I mentioned a moment ago, it is reflected in our attitude. The presence of the Lord in our life, it certainly will be reflected in our attitude. First and foremost, Christ is exemplified by a spirit of unselfishness. I mean, you know how to get, you know how to get over unselfishness? you got to be proactive. The best way to get over stinginess is give it away. Amen. It'll only sting a few times. But the more and more you begin to exercise that, you break the back of that selfishness. Amen. Holy Ghost filled men and women should demonstrate an unselfish spirit. Additionally, we ought to exercise humility. Amen. We should glorify God in our spirit and in our bodies, according to 1 Corinthians. We should purge. Every ungodly attitude from our heart and guard with great care that it never returns. When Jesus began to teach his disciples about principles of the kingdom, he emphasized attitudes. This is what you're going to find in the Sermon on the Mount. He, he exemplified and underlined attitudes like humility and mourning and meekness and righteous desire and mercy and purity and peace. Am I in the book? Sure he did. Amen. These ideals were the cornerstones of the Sermon on the Mount. He taught that giving to God while having a broken human relationship in, in our life is to be avoided. He said, if you've got a gift, you bring it to the altar and realize you've got an alt with your brother. Leave your gift there and go make that right. Amen. That humility to say, we got to fix this. He taught that vengeance violates the principle of the kingdom of God. Vengeance is mine. Thus saith the Lord, I will repay. He'll take care of that. He taught the necessity of children of God to love their enemies, to pray for them that despitefully use you. He said if they slap you on one cheek. Amen. That was weak, but I'll take it. Amen. But he still said it. He still said it. Paul taught the importance of attitude. Attitude now, I want you to let me pause right here or slow down, not pause, but just slow down and be a, a pace myself for just a few moments here because I want us to get the spirit of attitude i 'm going to be talking about ladies for just a moment, but please ladies don 't check out on me because i 'm going to bring this in absolute i 'm going to bring this back in absolute balance. Jesus taught about attitude attitude now here 's what Peter taught Simon Peter taught the importance of the attitude. Of a wife in her effort to win an unsaved husband. Amen. I am in the scripture now. And so it says nothing about if you have this program, that program, if you sing that song, if you do it this beat, this tempo. He said, I'm going to use your attitude. The attitude of a wife to win an unsaved husband. If she's meek and submissive, then he can be one according to scripture. Without the badgering and without nagging. And it was what? It is through her obedience to the Word of God that her husband begins to see a reflection of Christ in his wife. Amen. If she's kind and respectful and submissive then he he's going to receive a positive impression that she's just not going to church and dancing and singing and shouting, but she's coming home with that neat and humble spirit and attitude. Her personal holiness of attitude reflects Christ to her husband and leads him to accept salvation that he found no other way but through her attitude. Now, if these principles are true of a woman winning her husband to Christ... And God is not a respecter of persons. Amen. And, and God is a God of balance. I don't think I'm taking anything out of Scripture to say that if these principles are true for a woman to win her husband to Christ, then surely this is a principle that would work for a man that was trying to win his unsaved wife yeah. as well. Amen. I, I I don't think this is just a a, a, a... a Somebody help me with a word there. I don't think it's just something just for the... For the, for the ladies is what I'm trying to say. I think there is a principle that is set forth. I know it specifically says that, but I believe there is a principle that our attitude can affect. If, if the attitude of a wife can affect her unsaved husband then how could not our attitude of being filled with the Holy Ghost affect unsaved people that we work with every day in our office, every day in our line of business, whatever your vocation may be? And I believe that same principle could be true in the life of a husband with an unsaved companion as well. And so it's reflected in not just our attitude, but also in our actions. A person whose spirit is subjected to Christ will demonstrate holy actions. Because you see, holiness... Are you ready for this? If you're not buckled in, we may hit some turbulence right here, so no moving around the cabin for the next few moments. Holiness is a matter of the heart. And if we don't get holiness in the heart, you could have sleeves that are long enough to drag on the ground. Amen. Amen. You can wear a turtleneck 365 days a year. Oh, yeah. But if it's not in the heart and you just dressed up the outside, inside you are full of dead men's bones. Because holiness must start inside. Some of the most dangerous people that I have ever met in the church are people that don't have holiness in their heart. Amen. Because when you just get the old man dressed up, that leaves room for self-righteousness. That leaves room for this holier than thou and judgmental and people that can be brutal and unkind. Holiness is a matter of the heart. But hear me. It is not solely a matter of the heart. Amen. Because a believer exercises an inward holiness. We exercise an inward holiness. I'm going to say it one more time. We exercise an inward holiness, but we demonstrate an outward holiness. I don't dress holy so that I can be saved. Because some people think we're just doing this as a matter of works. Amen. I don't dress holy in order to be saved. I dress holy because I am saved. I don't dress holy to get the Holy Ghost. I dress holy because I have the Holy Ghost. Amen, we live a modest and a moderate lifestyle, not so that I can be saved, but because I am saved. Amen, I I, I possess something that is of great value, and that is His Spirit. Paul stated that a child of God must come out from among the world. We need to look different from the world. Be, Be separated from the world. Amen, he said, don't touch that that is unclean. Cleanse thyself. Just yesterday, my wife and I. Friday and, and yesterday, my wife and I were were in Jacksonville, and uh, and we had gone into a few places of business. And I'm telling you, it's just unbelievable how people go, walk around. Unbelievable. Yeah. And so, just yesterday, my wife didn't even have any idea what I was teaching today until she, till I started, till I announced it a while ago. So, uh, this was a conversation that we had. Yesterday she said, she said, while, well, while ago I was in a store and shopping, she said, one of the ladies who worked there, she said, ma'am, I would just like to commend you on your attire. She said, we see a little bit of it all. Coming in here, I just want to commend you on your dress. I want to commend you on your attire. I'm going somewhere today. I want you to please understand that 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 we need to come out. The world is looking for someone that's different. Amen. We need to cleanse ourselves. A holy heart will manifest itself by holy actions. Amen. I want holiness not to be the best kept secret in the world, but a believer is to cleanse themselves from all filthiness of the flesh, to, of the flesh and to take, and that is going to take action. Now let me just ask you a question here. If we just keep on going for a few minutes, can you stand with me? Amen. Let's do that today. Amen. It'll be better than, than trying to break this up. And so to perfect holiness is taking right actions and possessing right attitudes and having the right appearance. Amen. It, it, we are to strive for holiness in our flesh and in our spirit. And so, evil thoughts, evil thoughts produce evil actions. You think about it long enough, and you'll act on that long enough. But by the same token, holy thoughts produce holy actions. And so, if you're think if if evil is always in your mind, then we not we might need to change what we allow to come in our mind. Amen. We need to be careful what fire you warm your hands over. I don't want to just get lost in a bunch of cliches today, but we need to, we need to be very careful what we allow ourselves to watch, what we allow ourselves to read, what we allow ourselves to listen to. Amen. Why? Because those things stay in our mind. They just, you can't unsee things. You can't unhear things. I mean, I don't want all that language in my mind. I don't want those images in my mind. I I don't want those thoughts. I don't want those seeds in my mind. I want to stay pure and clean from all that. I'm not saying that to sound uh, super, super spiritual today. I, I think this should be practical in the sense that I, I want to make sure. I mean, we we just don't have a habit in our, our house to just open the front door first thing in the morning and just set down a concrete block and prop it open all day. Because I don't want some things that are out there inside. Amen. Now, we have to go in and out. (laughs) We have to go in and out. We can't just stay in. We can't just stay out. But I want to be careful what I'll allow in and what I'll allow out. I've said more than one time that we've almost destroyed several good cars very very good cars that we've owned through the years because a fly got in and my wife just went bananas <laughs> we're going to get that fly out amen it doesn't we'll, we'll worry about the insurance deductible later we're going we got to get this fly out right now <laughs> and i'm not saying that i'm in disagreement with that but you you get where i'm going i mean it becomes something we got to deal with now now right now just some several months ago we had a little um uh, i'm some, sure some sort of little non-poisonous snake that kind of gets a has a tendency every now and then, we've only two or three times I, I guess we've seen that around our door around the vinyl siding trim of our door because for some reason we have little green frogs that come around so every now and then you just see that little snake head and, uh, and he's sticking out, and he's just trying to survive, but I can't get my wife to understand that he's just trying to live. And so yesterday we were taking some stuff in the house, and she said, you know, honey, I tell you all the time, don't leave this door open. Now, I know why, but every now and I just like to hear it. Why? And she goes through just like it's the first, very first time. Well, you know, that one time there was that snake there. And you just never, you never know. And I understand that I'm not, I'm not trying to have a fun at your expense here today. I don't mean that disrespectfully at all. But uh, did I cover that up well enough? <laughs> but we got to be careful what we allow in because you leave the door open, something that you don't want will be in. Amen. Something you don't want will be in and that's a dangerous thing to go looking for something when you don't know where it is amen i worked a union job several years ago and and uh during a, a little uh, uh a time of a of a strike and things of that nature i had to take a secondary job temporarily and part of that job was to do some maintenance at a condominium uh place uh, on a golf course and condominiums and so you had to go and fix things that little things that maybe needed repair and so I got a call one day that you need to go to unit such and such because there's a snake inside. And so when I got there, I wasn't all that worried about it because I thought when I get there, whoever owns this condominium or whoever's renting this condominium will be here and show me where the snake is. And when I got there, they were gone. <laughs> now, I can't really blame them for that. But I have this instructions. There's a snake inside. And what was left unsaid was good luck. Good luck. And that was a pretty frightening thing to walk out. Is it this long? Is it 12 foot long? Is it a black snake? Is it a rat snake? Is it a cobra? Well, you go ahead and be all manly and macho if you want to <laughs> be. I, I can see none of you were there that day. Man, I got a flashlight. I'm, I'm looking all around. I'm trying to find out There's a there's something in here. We got to get this out. And someone was dependent on me to get this out. And I would like to tell you that it was a 20-foot boa constrictor so that I would just look a little bit better in front of you today. But it wasn't. It was just a little bit bigger than an earthworm right by the door. But I got it out. I got it out. I got it out. What I'm trying to tell you today is that we got to guard our heart. And if something gets in, you better get it out. Get it out while it's this long. Because tomorrow it will be that long. Next year it'll be that long. Amen. If you don't get it out today, it will devour. It will devour. And so we've got to make sure that our behavior, amen, is part and parcel of that that would be in alignment with the word of God. Hallelujah. God-centered behaviors ultimately result in two things. It exalts not, exalts not only the person, but it exalts the presence of God. Amen. So we should strive for right behavior. The other thing, the third thing that I mentioned was that it is is reflected in our appearance. And so that, that 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 begins on the inside will also manifest itself in our actions. Whatever is inside will ultimately reflect itself in how we appear, in how we dress. I'm going to be very honest with you today. I'm not trying to skirt any issues at all. But what we feel inside will manifest itself by what we put on this, how we feel about the, the in man, the inward man will soon manifest itself about how we feel about the outward man. If I want my inward man to be holy and chaste, and if I want my inward man to be pe- clean and pure and holy, then I want my outward man to be just that way. Amen. The world has established certain criteria that supposedly identify uh, a beautiful man, a woman or a handsome man. But these, this, the criteria that the world sets forth is very subjective and it is constantly changing. What the world said was beauty in the sixties is no longer necessarily held as beauty or the seventies or the eighties or the nineties or where we are today. And so that can be very subjective. However, and that the end result is, is that you never know whether or not you're measuring up. You got to constantly change, but God has established a certain pattern of appearance and these standards reflect his idea of beauty in a person and his standards of of holiness and His standards of beauty are consistent and they are unchanging. They produce security and they produce confidence in a person. Amen. This should always set us apart from feeling like we have to try to measure up to the arbitrary ideas and the fads and the trends and the fashions of the world. Amen. We must decide for ourselves. Amen. The set of standards that I'm going to allow to model my life. I'm not trying to figure out what Hollywood's doing to decide what I'm going to do. Amen. our young people shouldn't be trying to figure out what the pop leaders of our culture today are doing to try to decide what they're going to do. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. If you've got a young daughter today, you don't want her marching after the path of Miley Cyrus. Amen. You've got a young man today, you, a young boy, a, a young son. You don't want them patterning their life after, after some of these mainstream singers and professionals that are on the stage like Justin Bieber and, and on and on. These people, amen, they're marching to the beat of their own drum. We need God's standards, amen, not the world's standards. Amen. Set set your, set your children's eyes on some real heroes of the faith. And I'm not just talking about these bound up in this book. There's some real heroes of the faith among us today. Godly individuals who reflect in their lives the standards that God has set and established in His Word. And in doing so, they reflect the character of, of, of the Lord to the lost. God has established the principle of modesty to govern the appearance of Christian men and Christian women and so to be modest is to be unpretentious and decent and pure and virtuous and 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 moderate amen men should demonstrate uh, as well as women demonstrate uh, the holiness of god in our nature in our actions amen this is not just something for the ladies amen how cowardly would that be this is not just something for the ladies but we need to keep ourselves clean from faults uh, from from falseness and pretentiousness. Amen. From unholy attitudes and actions. Holy men, holy men should avoid anything in their appearance that glorifies or exalts the values and the beliefs of the whole unholy world in which we live today. We need to avoid walking after every trend and fashion that that contribute and condone to the sexual license of this age. Ladies and gentlemen, the lines have been removed. The fences have been taken down. I understand that if you can read today, amen. I understand that if you can read today, you, you know what I'm telling you is true. The word and the beauty of holiness differs from those that the world, what the world may consider to be beautiful. Simon Peter cautioned godly women to, in, to avoid outlandish And elaborate pitfalls in their personal adornment. Amen. He said, but rather you need to work on those things that reflect beauty. Amen. Heavenly, inward beauty. Praise God. Our 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 service on Wednesday night, if you were here Wednesday night, amen, we heard Brother Woodward talking about the beauty of God's covering over us. Amen, the beauty of God's covering. And can I tell you ladies today, amen, that don't write off 1 Corinthians 11. Amen, don't just wad that up and throw that away and say, well, that's just Paul's idea. But I'm going to tell you that He gave you a covenant with Him. Amen, and we ought to hold that and cover ourselves. Amen. That is what God has given us as a covenant. Given you as a covenant. Amen. Godly women. I think also should avoid a masculine appearance and masculine apparel, masculine attitudes. Amen. Masculine, masculine attributes. We ought to avoid that. God made you feminine and enjoy, enjoy that. Amen. Be a lady. Be a lady in every conceivable fashion. Can I tell you today that godly men are going to avoid appearing effeminate. Amen. They're going to avoid acting effeminate, dressing effeminate. Amen. Living an effeminate lifestyle. Why? Because God has always been about distinction of sexes. God has always been about distinction of sexes. Amen. Now for the last three hours I've been warning you that we're going somewhere. We're here. We're here. God has always been about distinction of the sexes. And for years and years and years, people have been saying, well, what's the big deal? Well, what's the big deal? Well, I think in our society today, in North America, we're seeing the big deal. When less than 1% of our nation becomes the tail that's wagging the dog, and folks, we are at a serious and a critical Juncture. We are at a critical, critical place in our lives, and see, we this what I'm talking about today, and what's affecting us even today in our world. It's been in this book all along. Amen. Men be men. Women be women. Amen. Men dress like men, walk like men, talk like men, act like men, pray like men. Women be women. Dress like women, act like women, walk like women, talk like women. Amen. This is a critical thing. This is a critical thing. It is a critical matter. A critical matter. Why? Because God said, "I want there to be a distinction." Do you know that that even effeminacy is mentioned in the Bible? I mean, effeminacy is spelled out. Amen. I not just homosexuality, but effeminacy. Why? Because effeminacy blurs the line. God has always been against blurred lines. Amen. I used to tell our young men if you don't have but one hair on your chest, (laughs) put hairspray on it till it stands straight out. (laughs) I'm sorry if that offends you. But my point is be as manly as you possibly can be. And I don't think that hair on the chest necessarily denotes manhood. But you know what I'm talking about. Give it your best shot. Get your hands dirty for crying out loud. Amen. Change your own tire. Praise God. It won't hurt you to change your own oil every now and then. Be a man. Ladies, be a lady. Be a lady. I want to come home every day to a lady. Amen. I want to walk down the street every day with a lady. Amen. There is no beauty like a person who exalts and exhibits God's spirit. There's an inherent beauty of holiness that attracts those who don't know the Lord. And so, when we're purified by God... In His presence will move and minister in our lives. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. Don't allow their movement to distract you because I want to say just a couple of things in closing that I think is very important to underline. God is holy. He's always been holy. His total being is rooted in holiness. His Spirit, His Word, His dwelling place and His name are holy. The Israelites were God's chosen people. Because He loved them, He set them apart from other nations. Because they loved Him, they were a reflection of His holiness to those around them. Other people came to know the Lord solely through the lifestyle of people they were associated with. In this dispensation, the church has been called out of darkness into the light of holiness. And the Holy Ghost lives in the church and every believer And so we need to take this reflection with us to work tomorrow. We need to take it shopping with us tomorrow. We need to take it with us when we're just out in our front yard working tomorrow. Amen. This just needs to be who we are. And when people see a significant difference between a Christian and a sinner, they are motivated to know the Lord. I know I have shared this example, and so I'll kind of condense down the details of it. But several years ago... I received a phone call from a lady. It was actually a girlfriend of one of the men we were ministering to in prison. And she called me in my office one day on the phone. And, uh, and she just lowered the boom. She said, Do you teach such and such about dress and standards and holiness? And, and, uh, I, I said, Well, yes, ma'am, we do. But I was trying to tell her that this is probably not, you know, on the phone, this is probably not the best place to discuss this. I would much rather you be in a setting where we could sit down and just show you in Scripture why we teach what we teach. But she was so far off the chain, I could not get her gathered up enough to have that part of the conversation. And so when she would say again, and you believe this? Yeah, this is what you actually teach in church? Yes, yes, ma'am. But again, I would say I, I would like to have the time to show you this in Scripture. And after, after this was one of the most bizarre conversations I've ever had in my life, she is just hammering me in the floor. And finally, she broke and started crying. And she said, you know, for the last some time, the Lord has been allowing my life to cross paths with Pentecostal women. And she said, I want to tell you that I've been a Christian. And she named how many years? A good long time, 10, 15 years And she said, I've been a Christian for a good long time. She said, but you know what? After I accepted the Lord as my Savior, nothing in my life ever changed. I look the same. I walk the same. I act the same. And she said, God has allowed my life to cross the lives of Pentecostal women. And she said, every time they turn and walk away from me, she said, I think, now they look different. They look different. And all this was the end result of her boyfriend sharing with her on the phone who was in prison what we were teaching in the prison. And so, by the way, let me commend our men that are in prison. They're not up there teaching. They're not just up there holding hands and singing kumbaya. Amen. They're putting the Word of God in these men's life. And he was calling her and sharing that. And you know what? She was resistant to that at first. But the Lord began to show her that there is really something to that. Amen. I want to say this, and I'm closing with this comment but I want to tell you today from my heart and as honest and pure as I can possibly say that I truly believe that we're standing at uh, a very critical, uh, a very critical juncture. And I think uh, perhaps even Brother Woodward may have mentioned this Wednesday night. Uh, I didn't just start believing it Wednesday, but I, I, I believe that we are standing at such a crucial juncture in our life where people are just so tired of no limits and no lines. Now, I'd like to use an illustration here, if I may, because it just happened to me within the last few days. But I don't want you to look at me different or feel about me any different. But I had uh, I had to go to a Walgreens pharmacy here a few days ago. And when I was walking across the parking lot, there was a young lady who came come walking out of this store with her husband or boyfriend or whatever it may have been. And when I tell you that she was hideously dressed, when I tell you that she was dressed, that would be an exaggeration. But when I tell you it was hideous, I'm not exaggerating. It was the most unsightly and the most ungodly and the most unbelievable sight And so she goes walking across that parking lot. He needed his head examined. That's where that should have started. But I I, I couldn't help but to see her walk, walk out. I didn't continue to look in case you're curious. But as I walked in the store, when I walked in the store, this is what I was faced with. Customers, and employees that were all just standing when we all, there was no way not to see it. And they were all going. Whew. And you know what I think? I think the world is sick of this. I think the world is so tired of there is no wrong, there is no line, there's no fence, there's no limit. I think people that don't even know God are sick of this. So I want to tell us, good Holy Ghost filled men and women, hold on. Hold on because God hasn't separated you to pick on you. He hasn't separated me to pick on me. God has always had a chosen nation. Amen. I'm going to tell you there's no job. There's no job that could ever be done. Amen. That my wife can't do that in a holy way, in a righteous way, in a godly way. There's no job that can't be done. Amen. That brother Rayleigh can't do in a holy way, a righteous way, a godly way. Amen. Am I anybody in this house with me today? Amen. There's, there's nothing that would constitute me having to violate scripture. Hear me this morning. We need the, we need the presence and the power of God. God, bathe us with a spirit of modesty and moderation. Where did it ever go out of style? When did it ever go out of style? I say, God, help us today to hold on to holiness. It's a wonderful thing. It is a foundation upon which we are built. Let's stand today. You've been very, very kind to give me some extra minutes here. Amen. We're going to worship the Lord. And we're going to magnify Him this morning. And would you let God's presence touch our lives? in this place today. Amen. Would you lift your hands with me now? And could we ask God to just seal this word in our heart this morning in Jesus' name? I love you today, Lord.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic.